The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Government is the problem. This will not stand. This will not stand, this aggression against uh, Kuwait. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Mr. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. America is a strong force for peace. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. And my vice president has shot someone. Do you smell what Barack is cooking? You didn't build that. I'll give you all a big kiss, the women and the men. I'll, kiss. I'll even kiss the men. Kiss those big, powerful men. Sit down, you'll hear what I have to say. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, the show for those who want a spirited, irreverent, humorous, and occasionally informative discussion on the latest geopolitical issues that are impacting the energy sector today. Here is your host, Jordan Driscoll. Hello, and welcome to the program, my huddled masses. I am your diminutive ATM of reckless opinion, although a bit more subdued this evening. So, this is, I'm, I'm just going to say straight away, it's not a regular show like what you're used to. Um, this is actually a bit of a special. So, I'm currently in Abu Dhabi, and um, it's my last night. I'm actually uh, here in a couple hours like two and a half hours I'm going to be getting on the plane and heading back to the States. And it's been a full week. It's been a a very busy week, if I'm being honest. A lot of episodes for Energy um, Pipeline that I recorded, which was um, good. I was at the show for Caterpillar and for OGGN. Really interesting. But I had really wanted to do some episodes for this. And I had a lot of great experiences and I wanted to kind of have sort of a, I experimented with a few different things, but audio quality is kind of tricky. I'm using a handy recorder and uh, it made things a little tricky to do the stuff I wanted to do. But I did want to get something live uh, on location. And I know it's audio and it completely doesn't matter, but for me, it felt like something special I could do for the show that would be, you know, maybe fun for some of y'all. Maybe maybe you couldn't care less. And if you couldn't care less, that's totally fine. I get it. Um, this isn't going to be your usual episode, so, um, you know, if this isn't your cup of tea, totally fine, not hurting my feelings. We'll be back to normal programming next week. But I really wanted to do something here in Abu Dhabi, here, uh, alive and on person. As, we, as we're talking right now, I'm actually standing on the balcony to my hotel. And um, directly across my balcony is the presidential palace. It's a huge, um, massive structure. And it's lit up with sort of these violet lights right now, a bunch of domes. It's really quite beautiful. Um, and beyond that, you can hear, and I, I don't know if the gain is high enough uh, for you guys to get it, but you can actually hear the 
the waves of the Persian Gulf, because it's just right here, right, right below me, uh, next to the presidential palace. Um, now, of course, naturally, I'm this is the middle of the night. It's a little past midnight, uh, but it's still, of course, quite warm. It's 90 degrees outside Fahrenheit. I don't know. It's probably somewhere in the ballpark of 40 something Celsius. Uh, and 80% humidity, so it is just sticky and hot. And here in a second, I am going to step back inside because it's um, really quite muggy out here. But I did want to record something with a little bit of the ambient noise in the background. And again, I don't know that you're going to be able to hear it, but I wanted to do it uh, for the show and, and all of that. My plan was originally to go down and take a walk on the beach, but they closed the beach and wouldn't let me go out there, so the balcony in my hotel room it is um but yeah this episode's just going to be kind of some of my general thoughts on traveling to this part of the world and and you know just some off-the-cuff stuff that i was thinking about and some you know of the experiences i had that don't really fit into a normal episode um you know it's this is almost going to be like a little mini diary or something i don't know um but I was here, I did this, and I've got some Abu Dhabi-specific episodes I will be doing, but this one, like I said, is just going to be kind of a little bit of me just kind of talking about my trip and my thoughts about being over here. I mean, this is a wildly different culture. It's um, incredibly different than what you or I, well, I say you or I, assuming you're an American listening uh, and I know a, a great number of my audience is not American, so I get that. But if you're American and you don't travel a whole lot, or if you um, are anywhere and don't travel a whole lot, I mean, this part of the world might seem quite mysterious. I'm just going to step inside. Again, you guys are getting a little bit more ambient noise than usual, just because I'm using this handy recorder. There we go. God, the AC. It is bloody hot out there. Uh, even, even at nearly one in the morning, it is stiflingly hot out there. Not shocking news for you, I know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Abu Dhabi, the desert. Eh, it's fucking warm. All right. Yeah, the the trip itself was really long and arduous, as uh, anybody who's made that sort of a flight knows. Um, but overall, not bad. The This is not what I was expecting when I came out here, and I knew that everything I was expecting was probably wrong. you got to keep in mind, the last time I was in this part of the world... It was Iraq and Afghanistan when I was in the military. And uh, those are not the same, you know, that that's not the United Arab Emirates. Um, not by a mile. But, and I knew that intellectually coming here. But I also was just very apprehensive. I mean, you know, again, the last time I came to a a Muslim country or an Islamic country, I, you know, was, it was a war and, you know, people tried to kill me and I was very nervous about being over here and after all this time and, um, 
being an arm, you know, all the things, just the stuff that the baggage, right, that you have in the back of your head that you don't really think about. But when you're coming back to this part of the world, you know, it's sort of there. It's kind of just a thing that concerns you. And I remember my first night here, I got in, I got to the hotel probably around 10, 1030 or so at night. And, um, you know, you can go to bars here. They have bars. They have clubs. They're, you know, it's it's not quite as crazy as Dubai, I'm told. But, yeah, there's, you know, there's all of that sort of normal stuff. And I thought, well, maybe I'll pop over to a bar. Because, like a fool, I didn't check. But the very nice hotel I was staying in is a dry hotel. So there's no alcohol to be had on the property. So, um, but next door was the Hilton Conrad, which is, um, got, uh, evidently a nice bar up on like the 68th floor or something. And, um, you know, the hotel staff said, you can just walk over there. It's 10 minutes. Just go down the block and blah, 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 you know, whatever. And I remember really being nervous, really thinking like, I just got in another country. I'm in a foreign country. I'm in a Islamic country. I'm in a place where I... I don't, you know, I'm very leery of the idea of drinking. And then these people are telling me, oh, you can just walk over to, you know, don't get crazy. You just you walk over to the, the Hilton, have a drink at the bar there. And also just the idea of walking around the streets of a foreign city at night was kind of wild to me. And, um, but I thought, you know what, I'm cavalier with my own life sometimes. Let's, uh, let's give it a whirl. Let's try it. Let's see. I'm over here. Let's have an adventure. Which is probably a stupid way to live your life. I don't advise it. I'm just saying that's sometimes how I operate for good or ill. So, uh, <laughs> make of that what you will. But I, I did. I walked over there. No problem at all. Uh, there weren't a lot of people out on the street. Not in the part of town I'm in. Uh, it's not terribly walkable. There's really just a couple of these hotels and then the presidential palace and all that. Uh, there's, of course, a ton of security, more security, in fact, than just normal pedestrians. There were a few, but not a lot. But, yeah, it was very quiet. It was very orderly. Everything was very, very clean. Everything was very calm. Um, make sure I get the right direction. Security told me where to go. I went up there, had two, uh, two Moscow mules, and then, you know, made my way back to my hotel. And, and no problem, no worries, nothing. And one of the things that I guess surprises me is the lack of uh, crime. The lack of, you know, I mean, everyone here assured me, uh, and they have the whole week about how safe this place is and how there's, you know, very, very little crime and, you know, only mentally ill people commit crimes here. Um, and I assume <laughs> the rather harsh penalties for crime and the prevalence of security um, is perhaps responsible for their low crime statistics. Um, yeah, I, w I would bet the penalty for doing anything that uh, disrupts law and order here or anything that uh, fucks with a tourist is probably quite, quite harsh and unpleasant. And I imagine that justice in whatever form that looks like is probably very swift. That's my assumption. Um, I have a... Uh, <laughs> I have an aunt and an uncle that live here, as you, many of you know who've listened for a while. I'm, you know, my family's on the one side is Palestinian, 
And um, some of the family had moved to Abu Dhabi several decades ago. And so I got to meet them for the first time. And they were incredibly sweet and loving and so happy to meet me and all the things. But I was making a... I said something about, you know, uh, you know, just the how everyone seemed to think it was very safe here. She goes, oh, yes, well, you know, I mean, uh, you can only... You can only steal twice, can't you? And um, I'll let you think about the ramifications of what that means and do the math on it. <laughs> but that was quite a, quite a statement from my Auntie Haifa. Um, yeah, you can only te- steal twice. Yeah, all right, well, fair enough. I, um, I, guess, uh, <laughs> I guess that's how we roll. Um, but yeah, I mean, people, when we were setting up for the conference, you know, the, in, in Adipak, let me just tell you, um, for those of you who have been to Adipak, this is not news. For those of you who have not been to Adipak, that conference is massive. And I mean, it's whatever, however big you think it is, it's larger than that. If you're, for me, a big conference is NAEP. That is what I am historically think of as the big conference I go to, or maybe OTC. Those are the two big boys, right? Now, Adipak is at least four or five times larger than Nape. I mean, it's several times larger than Nape. There's no question. There's no exaggeration there. It is massive. Um, I mean, it's on a scale that's just mind-boggling. Navigating around the place is a pain. I mean, there are many times when you are shoulder-to-shoulder with people. Um, it's... You know, I, I enjoy the energy of NAPE and and all of that. I mean, it's it's good, you know, and a good year at NAPE. But Adipak was, it was like you were in Times Square. I mean, just big, gargantuan booths with neon lights, and there's just people everywhere, all ethnicities, all backgrounds, all countries, um, you know, all energy, oil and gas, and all that. But uh, just so many people. I mean, it was nonstop. It was tremendous. Um so if you haven't been and you ever want to go, I mean, just brace yourself. It's quite a, quite an experience. Um, but when we were setting up the recording area at the Caterpillar booth, I remember the um, audiovisual guy who was kind of, we were doing blocking for the cameras and doing sound check the day before um, the show started proper. And uh, I was up there, you know, to do sound check and we, we were doing that. And... You know, I made the comment. I was like, yeah, I need to lock up my um, some of my equipment. I have my laptop and all that, and I want to take it back and forth from the hotel because it's kind of far away. Kind of far away. And I said, yeah, I'll just, he goes, yeah, just just leave it at the booth. It's fine. And I said, mm, no, this is a very nice MacBook, MacBook Pro. We're not doing that. And he goes, what, do you think someone's going to steal it? Like, and this is a, um, he, uh, this is, he was a British person, uh, uh, who had immigrated, who was expat, living in Dubai and doing work in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. And Dubai is like, I don't know, hour and hour and a half drive away. It's not very far. All part of the same Emirates. Um, well, the UAE, it's a different Emirate, but we'll we'll talk about that when I do my Dubai episode. Uh, or my, excuse me, my, my UAE episode, the proper one. We talk about the, uh, the history of the joint and kind of how it impacts the energy world and all that good stuff. Because uh, yes, there will be there will be a more standard episode about all this. This is like I said, just sort of Jordan's rambling thoughts. 
But anyway, he, he said it to me in such a way and it was incredulous. Like, you, like you fool, you think someone would actually steal your fucking laptop off the off the showroom floor here at Adipeg? What, what idiot would possibly, how could you even think such a thing could happen? Like, the, just the, and I mean, he wasn't being rude about it. He was legitimately like, oh, you really think someone's going to steal that? Really? And I was sort of flabbergasted that he would think that they wouldn't. I mean, I would never leave, you can't leave a fucking paperclip unattended at Nape or someone's going to run off with it. Um, so the idea of leaving a, a multi-thousand dollar MacBook uh, at your booth just unattended overnight, just out in the open, I mean, that just was like, um, yeah, I don't think so, buddy. And he goes, yeah, no, it's completely safe. No one would dare. No one would dare. That would be insane. Who would do that? that nobody's going to, you know risk these kind of penalties over a laptop and I'm like well I don't know a criminal might you know it's my thinking but yeah that was the thing that blew my mind is just how everyone seemed sort of perplexed whenever you even floated the idea that there would be any kind of crime you would have to worry about um I don't know I would just I had a hard time wrapping my brain around that you know um, and I'm sure, I'm certain there are places in the city or maybe beyond or whatever where, you know, probably maybe that sort of thing's more prevalent, but certainly in all the places I've been, and I've been in a lot of places in this town at this point, because I did a lot of exploring, but everyone just seemed really, really just beside themselves and sort of, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you really think someone would do that. That's, that's funny. How quaint. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's that mentality. I had a hard time wrapping my brain around it. The other thing about this place that, um, is kind of remarkable is the, the people you run into. I don't have the statistics right off the top of my head. I've started doing the research for the UAE episode specifically, but, um, you know, the number very roughly is something like only one out of ten people is actually Emirati, a local. And then everyone else is, is an expat of one form or another. And there is a ton of, of Indian and Pakistani and uh, uh, Filipino and all of that, but I've also run into Australians and British and American even. Um, I mean, the the overwhelming majority of the population is from not here. And they came here for work or for whatever. And I guess I never really thought about the huge numbers of, of Americans and British and all of that, Europeans, that live over here. But it was funny because when I would ask them, I'm like, well, you know, it's in, it's fucking hot, man. Like, what? it's not the weather that brought you out here. Like, what is it? And he goes, oh, well, I mean, you get paid good money and there's no income taxes. And yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, the one Scottish guy that I was talking to that um, uh, was in our uh, AV team was like, oh, yeah, the moment I, you know, I was a little nervous about coming out here with my girlfriend. And then, um, you know, the moment I got that first paycheck without income taxes and, you know, still had all the same health care and all of this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm just never going back to uh, never going back to Britain. I'm just living here forever. And I'm like, really? I mean, uh, OK. 
interesting. I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there is a tremendous expat community from all over the place. And, and yeah, I mean, I think, um, Asian and, uh, 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 you know, Indian and all that, I think they're the largest expat community in my observation, but there's a very significant number of expats from all over the place here. It's kind of wild. Um, what that does mean, though, uh, is Arabic is a very, very hard language to learn, and I should know because I never learned it, even though everyone else in my family speaks it, and I just refuse because it seemed like hard work, and it was. Um, what it means is that there has to be some sort of unifying language, and this is actually quite a good thing about traveling over here. Everyone, I mean everyone, speaks on some level English. Some of them really, really well, some of them not so well. But everyone knows enough English to get by because that is the language that everyone uses as sort of the common tongue, the common vernacular to get by. Thank God uh, I'd be completely fucked if that were the case. But fortunately, everybody speaks English. And what's more, every single sign you see, and I mean every single sign you see, is an English and Arabic. Every sign. Street signs, road signs, stuff in the, in the grocery store, um, the, everything. Every single sign in this country is in Arabic and English. Um, if you don't speak the language, you will get by just fine. I mean, as long as you speak English, you know. Um, which, for me, that's, that's quite useful. So... Um, that kind of threw me, though. I was really not expecting there to be just literally everything in English. It was kind of nuts. And the, um, you walk around and you're just going to meet people from everywhere. I was up at the Louvre earlier today, the, the Abu Dhabi Louvre. They opened their own, you know, branch of the, the French Art Museum. And I do love a good art museum. And I felt like I was here. I should probably check it out. And, um, you know, I was outside... Uh, having a smoke before I went in and there was uh, another couple there smoking and um, their accent sounded kind of British but I couldn't quite place it and we started talking for a minute and and uh, they were South African uh, up there I guess on vacation or something I don't know that we actually ever got to that because they said you know South African and I said oh that's that's cool how's, um, how's your power situation because I've done that episode on ESCOM right uh, for those of you that have been around for a month or so, you've heard that. So I asked them how, how stuff with ESCOM was going, and they kind of looked at me and they said, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm American. I live in Texas. I'm from America. And he goes, how do you know about the ESCOM situation? And I said, you know, I told them, oh, I do a show, you know, guest you politics. I've done an episode on that. And they said, oh, wow, okay, yeah, no, it's great. And then we started talking about the ESCOM situation. And I was sitting here thinking, like, man, I wish... You know, and I guess maybe, I, granted, I, I, well, we'll talk about that in a second, but boy, it would have been cool to talk to these guys. Um, <laughs> sure would have been cool to talk to these guys um, before, or during, or for the uh, uh, the South Africa episode. 
And then they start talking to me, and this this is what, which, funnily enough, I said, so how's it going? He goes, oh, it's still corrupt, it's still terrible, all that. And I said, ah, man, sorry to hear that, you know, all that good stuff. And they said, well, you know, it's amazing. Or the wife said, you know, it's amazing. There's always power turned on whenever there's a rugby game. And that's the only time that you know you're going to for sure have power. And I got a, I got a laugh out of that. I was like, oh, yeah, no kidding. They, they make sure the sports have got power, but uh, everything else, we'll see. That's... <laughs> That's just kind of funny. That's that's what you'd expect, right? So, yeah, I mean, it was just... Um, and then they they asked me, they said, well, what do you think about the whole Speaker of the House? You guys don't have a Speaker of the House over there. And I was really surprised by that, that this couple from South Africa was asking me, which, I mean, t- to be fair, I just asked them about their... National oil company. So, what reason do I have to be surprised? But you don't really think of, um, you know, other countries caring about our political stuff as much as they do. Uh, but evidently, they do. You know, um, and maybe it's silly of me to think that they probably didn't or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, and I mean, for the record, you know, this is what one a.m. now on a Friday the sixth. So, yes, we obviously just had um, what's-his-face, you know, um, McCarthy, former Speaker of the House McCarthy, get ousted. I think I kind of called this was a a possibility a few episodes back. And um, they started asking me, you know, what's my thoughts? How do you think this is going to go? And we started talking about it, and they were talking about how, you know, yeah, we follow American Paul. You know, everything in the world, you know, takes a beat off what happens in America, so you you have to keep an eye on it. And that was really an interesting thing, because I keep an eye on international politics, but, I mean, hell, I host a show called Oil and Gas Geopolitics. Of course I do. But for some random folks, I mean, honestly, and let's be honest here, you know, just us, how many of you guys knew anything about the ESCOM situation before my episode? I mean, some of you probably did, but most of you probably never heard of it, right? I mean, let's be honest. You can be honest with me. It's fine. Nobody has to know. But for these guys, just random people who don't do this sort of thing or have an official reason to care about it, the fact they follow that kind of news in their home country was really interesting to me. And it really does put into perspective, you know, we like to think of America as a, as a leader and, you know, as this this beacon, this example um, for the rest of the world. And in many ways, whether you want to believe that or not, America is that. And... And I don't mean to go off on a whole political tangent here, regardless of the name of the show. But we as Americans oftentimes like to think that we are, you know, the leaders of the free world and, and all of that. And, and in many ways we are. But with that, there is a microscope that the rest of the world looks at us and looks at how we conduct ourselves. And they want to see stability. They want to see that America knows what it's doing, that America's got it figured out and you know hey who really does have it figured out debatable but i don't know that really put things kind of an interesting interesting perspective for me to think that other people you know across the globe are watching what we're doing what our congress is doing and how they're acting and all of this and the constant threats of shutdowns i'm going guys 
We're supposed to be the leaders here, you know? Let's stop fucking around and let's just figure it out. Let's work together and let's figure it out. Um, and right now the Republicans can't even work with themselves. I mean, this is, guys, the world's watching. And they really are. And it, it threw me. I wasn't expecting it. Um, and they aren't the only folks that made the comment about the speaker situation. You know, I had several people. Um, and it really, I mean, you can... Like I said, the people I've met here have been fascinating. It's been absolutely incredible, the breadth and depth of it. I was uh, in the lobby, and um, there's a woman in line next to me, and we got to chit-chat. Because I'll talk to anybody. I would love, when I'm traveling, I want to get to know everyone. I want to meet people. I want to hear the stories. I want to figure out where people are from, what they think about things. And so I will tend to just talk to any old anybody that looks like they can muddle out a, a word or two of English. And so this lady started talking to me, and I picked up the accent. I knew it was Russian because I used to know some Russian, and I said hello in Russian, you know, basic greeting, good evening or whatever. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, you speak a little Russian. Well, you're American, right? And I said, yeah, yeah, American. And uh, she goes, oh, what are you here for? I said, I'm here for Adipak. How about yourself? And she goes, oh, um, yeah, just here for vacation. I was like, oh, vacation, Okay. You know, glad to know all the sanctions are uh, really putting the um, really putting the screws to you. I didn't say that, obviously. <clears throat> but, uh, and, you know, we got to talk. I said, okay, so what do you do? Because, you know, uh, she had asked what I did. And, and uh, you know, I told her, you know, oil and gas podcast. And I've also, um, you know, my day job, sales and marketing at an oil and gas accounting company. And she goes, oh, I work in oil and gas. And I said, no, no kidding. Yeah, really. And she goes, oh, it's a, it's a company. I don't know if you've heard of it called a Gazprom. And I'm like, oh, oh, Gazprom. Oh, yeah. You know, I think maybe if I think about it really hard, maybe I've, yeah, perhaps I've fucking heard of it. Only the most sanctioned energy company in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think I do recall the name, actually. Um so I just kind of laughed when she said that. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, it's a, it's a going concern still, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they seem to be doing okay, uh, I guess. Got into I had a little bit, I will say, you know, I wasn't going to get into it with this lady. I wasn't going to go into World War Three with her because I didn't feel like the hotel lobby was the place to, you know, get into a vitriolic rant about geopolitics. But... But I did get a little snippy with the uh, with a uh, with a couple of of Chinese folks. I was um, so at Adipak, and I had stepped out for a uh, breath of fresh air, if you will. And uh, these two guys were there, and they came over and talked to me, asked for a lighter, and and so we got to chit chatting. And they were Chinese, and said, "Oh yeah, we're here for Adipak, you know, we're from China." I said, "Oh, that's great, man. You know, I hope everything's going well over there." And all that. He goes, oh, yeah, it's a, you, you ought to come visit. And I said, yeah, I'll, you know, one of these days. And he goes, and, you know, the conversation kind of went along. And then, you know, we kind of said something like, um, you know, hopefully one day will there be peace between us. And I said, well, you know, I think um, I think we all want that. And he said, well, you know, the Chinese people are all very peaceful. And I said, well, I think most people are peaceful at their core. You know, in general, we all kind of don't want really violent conflict. I mean, we'd all rather have business and work together and have good lives and all that. And he goes, yes, but 
And we would have that if it wasn't for all of your politicians that are always coming after us and all of your, you guys, your politicians have put our two countries in this situation, all this. And um, I, I bristled a little bit at that, if I'm being honest. Now, listen, guys, y'all who listen to my show at all, you know, Republican, Democrat, I don't give a shit, you know that I will throw shade at American politics and policies when it's appropriate. I don't play favorites. Y'all know this. If you've been around this show for a little while, you've learned that. I've probably trashed one of your favorite politicians, and I've probably praised at some point one of your favorite politicians. It'll just happen, okay? Um, I have no problem throwing shade where shade is due. But here's, here's my beef with this statement from this guy. Here's my beef. He teed it up as everything that was a matter with U.S. and Chinese relations was 1,000% America's fault. And um, as we like to say in the old country, that is bullshit. Okay? It's the uh, original Arabic pronunciation is the bullshit. Okay? It is not 100%. Has America done its own things to probably exacerbate things? Sure. I'll give you that. But you cannot... You cannot stone cold look me in the eyes and go, yep, the Chinese Communist Party, Xi Jinping, all these people have had nothing to do. They're innocent, peace-loving little lambs, and it's just been the big bad evil Americans that are constantly um, stirring up shit across the globe. I'm sorry. Fuck you in the neck. I don't buy that. That is not accurate, and we all know it. Anyway. So I just told him, I said, yeah, I just don't buy that it's all one side. They, oh, yes, no, no, no. Uh, we would never, all we've ever wanted is peace. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, just, mm, just not really sure I'm buying it, man. Not really sure that's the 100% truth there. I don't think that's the genuine article. And I mean, we didn't get into like a fight or anything. I wasn't going to, I was going to start the, you know, third world war or anything, but I did. I snapped back at him on that one. I'm just going to let him walk away with that. Uh, he, he doesn't need to think that his people are just pure and virtuous and totally without blame. That's, that's just not true. And, um, and I wasn't going to stand for him. Um, listen, listen, it's one thing when I talk shit about America, okay? This is my country. I fought for it. I get to do my thing. You, good sirs, do not get to tell me that it's all of our faults and that you guys have done nothing wrong ever in the history and the Chinese Communist Party is this glowing paragon of moral virtue. I just don't buy it, and I'm not going to stand there and say nothing about it. So at the end of the day, it's not like it really affects my demographics. I'm already banned in China, so what difference does it make? Um, <laughs> he did ask where my show was. I said, oh, yeah, it's Apple and Spotify. Go go find it. Good luck. Oh, yeah, well, we're going to listen to it. We're going to see what you have to say. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you can fucking find it, buddy, have fun. Um, so... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's just a little quick update of some of the uh, the adventures I've had here. It is a ton. I mean, I could sit here and go on for hours, but I've already hit 33, 34 minutes at this point. I, I know I'm just rambling and talking about my travels. And like I said, I don't know if any of you guys are actually going to like this episode or if this is going to do it for you or if um, or if it's not. But I like to try different things. I like to be creative. And I, I really did want to bring you guys something and I know it doesn't matter, but I really wanted to bring you guys something on location 
with me here in Abu Dhabi. So it was kind of like in a small way y'all were with me. Um, if you like this particular episode, you like this format, or, or whenever I'm traveling, you think something like this would be fun to do, let me know. Shoot me an email, comment on LinkedIn, whatever. Let me know um, that you dug this, or if you didn't. And, um, you know, if, if a couple of you guys like it, then maybe it's something that um, if I go to an interesting place and I think it's worth talking about, I'll do an episode like that. And if you guys all are like, yeah, Jordan, that's really cool and all, but, you know, just hey, do your usual shtick, don't do this, then that's fine, too. Not going to hurt my feelings. Just, you know, just let me know one way or the other if you guys have any thoughts on this particular episode we did. I, this is not going to be an everyday thing, obviously, because I'm not going to Abu Dhabi every day, but... Uh, I don't know. This is this is fun. I'd like to do more stuff like this from time to time as specials. Um, uh, I did try and go out and record on the streets and just talk to people and get them to kind of tell me what their thoughts were about things here or in in energy or the world, you know, all that, you know, sustainability. And yeah, it's trying. But a lot of the folks didn't want to go on the record. I mean, you whip out a microphone, people start to get real cagey. Um, Still, though, there's a lot of creative stuff I would like to do um, with this show that is completely unnecessary, but I just think it's fun and um, that you guys might enjoy it. And it might be something different than what most other folks on the network are doing. Um, so, yeah, just add some spice to things, add a little bit of flavor, a little something different. So, yeah, let me know if you like this. Let me know if um, you want to hear more of these little stories or uh, these little travelogues. Um, when I go to places, if you want. Uh, but we'll be back with a um, our next episode, unless something catastrophic happens. will probably be my um, deep dive of the United Arab Emirates and sort of its place in the energy world uh, and its history and all of that, which I think will be good. And um, I don't know, maybe I'll have to tackle this uh, McCarthy Speaker of the House debacle. But, uh, oh, God... Yeah, I probably have to do that one too, but that just sounds terrible. Anyway, all right, guys, I got to finish packing and I have to go catch a plane. Um, look forward to uh, look forward to uh, being back in the good old U.S. of A. And I hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your week. This is Jordan Driscoll reminding you. I'm an Abu Dhabi. See you guys on the next one. Join us again next week on the Oil & Gas Geopolitics Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.